0: focusing on community and uh, my wife and I have been here uh, in our family for over five years now when we've been in community group that long and um, I can't tell you the uh, amazing impact that community has had on my life and my marriage my children and um, so much so that I wanted to write a love song to my community group and so I hope that you guys enjoy it here we go <laughs> Hey guys, I've been thinking that there's something that I need. It's just so hard to keep in touch when we hardly ever meet. I know our schedules fill up fast. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Do you think we should meet more frequently? Me neither. I'm glad that we agree, believe me. That's a big relief. all alone. Would you like to share your sins from this past week? Me neither. It's nice to finally have a group who doesn't move too fast. But don't go deep in sharing if we want this thing to last. Relationships need time to grow. There's things I hope you never know. Would you like to go through money? for y'all. Thank goodness. My money's not at all entirely out of control. Not Sure, I'll dig out of the soul. Would you like to talk about our four bees? Me neither. We can never share it all.
1: My boy, my boy John Abel and the band. Man, it's, it's crazy because like you, so much of that song, if you're here and you're in a small group, a community group, you've been meeting together, so much of that is, you know, hits a little close to home, you know. Uh, I mean, who wants to talk about community? Me neither. Me neither. And uh, it's, it's, that's where we're at in this series and, and we believe that this is an important one. This is an important topic because the scriptures call us to do life together, and it's hard. There's a part of that that's really difficult. And so I start by just kind of talking about an experience that I had growing up. I, uh, I ran track. I was in track. Anybody in track growing up? There's this debate whether track is a team sport or an individual sport. You ever had that conversation? That was one that we would have growing up. Is it a team sport or individual sport? How many think it's an individual sport? Track is an individual sport. Okay, so some of you, show of hands. How many think it's a team sport? Show of hands. Okay, how many of you do not care about this question? And you're like, stop making me raise my hand. Great, okay. Uh, and so I can remember, I didn't really run track. I jumped track, high jump, long jump. And uh, one of the most difficult things for me about track was at my small school, there, the field, the track and field was across the street and we'd have to get the high jump mat at the school and we'd have to carry it about a hundred yards to, to set it down. And you, you to do that, it was this like really cumbersome thing. It was kind of, you know, it was heavy and it flop around and you have to go out there. You couldn't do it by yourself. You have to get a bunch of people. You have to go over there, lift, all move the same direction. You know, the, the coach was always there. Don't drag it. It's expensive. Don't drag it. You have to lift it up and, and move it to the other side of the field. And so just to give you an image for this, in fact, my friends, will y'all bring that out? We, we've brought a high jump mat for y'all. If anybody wants to show off their skills a little, stop dragging it. It's expensive. It's expensive. There you go, okay, come on. All right, yep. This way, this way. Pivot, pivot. Hey, watch the equipment, man. Watch the stage. Turn it. All right, there we go. Give it up for my friends. Guys, I, I can remember one particular time uh, we were moving uh, across the street, and we had gotten to the we got to the field. And whenever you see somebody who's not carrying their weight, you have to like. Sh- move over there real fast like it starts to dip down it's like oh no 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 and one time we didn't do that fast enough and the mat kind of fold over it caught the ground the person fell and then the entire high jump mat flipped over on top of them and we're all like whoa did that just happen you know high school students are "Are you okay under there you know and uh and so it's just this this picture of everybody doing something together at one time to accomplish a task, and so as we move through this series, Can You Relate? Today is Can You Relate to Community? If you're a guest with us, you're like, what's community? It's how we say small group, home group, cell group. It's, it's a group of people, believers, that are meeting together here at Watermark. It's defined like this. It's three or more members, or three or more couples who are members, that meet together regularly, and then the six core values, to be devoted to Jesus, pursue each other relationally, counsel biblically, live authentically, admonish faithfully, and engage missionally. And so every week that we've talked in the series, Can You Relate?, we've given you a word to go with the topic. And the word today is team. I want you to think about the word team, that your community group is like a team working Together and so community is a team sport. Every individual exists for the team. And so don't think what what can they do for me? Think what can I do for them? How can I help them grow closer to Jesus? I'm here to serve the group. And and so don't if you if you go in it with the expectations of hey, I'm here to get, then I think you're going to be disappointed. But if you go into it with the expectations, hey, I'm here to contribute to these relationships. Uh, you know, I think your expectations are going to be more aligned. But there's an aspect of it that's just difficult. And so here at Watermark, we've said we bet the farm on community. It's, it's the way that we shepherd the flock with just a few elders. We've got three campuses, thousands of people, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people will be on this property today and in other properties around the Metroplex. And the way that we care for the flock is through community groups, because here's the reality. Like, if you get sick, if you're in the hospital, most likely Todd's not going to show up. And most likely I'm not going to show up. And there's there's a really good chance no one from our staff is going to show up. If, if we did, it's all we would do. There's that many people in the hospital at one time. It truly is, is all we could do is go around visiting hospitals. But I hope that for every person that is a part of this body, you're surrounded by pastors. Peter calls you a part of the royal priesthood that those are your pastors, that you guys are shepherding each other. And when you can't make rent, they're coming and moving towards you and they're helping you out, that they had all things in common. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of the bread, the fellowship, that, that you guys are sharing meals together, doing life together. And that is a picture of community. This is a big church. We've said it over and over. The bigger we get, the smaller we must become by this small group of people who know you and know where you're at, that you're accountable to God through them, you're accountable to God, but they help you be accountable to God, by, by the Spirit, through them pointing things out in your life. And it's hard. And you know why it's hard? Because relationships are hard. And do you know why relationships are hard? Because the only kind of people who are involved in relationships are the sinful kind. Only sinners are in relationships. And so when you take sinners and you get them together and you call them to do life together, it's difficult. Why is marriage hard? Because it's two sinners. Why is community hard? Because now it's like six or eight sinners. Right? And it's difficult. But Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, But pity to anyone who falls and has no one there to help them up. The truth is, if if you're here and you're not involved in a community group, you're closing off an aspect of spiritual growth in your life. A way that God wants to mold you into the image and the character of his son, Jesus, you've shut that off. If you're just attending church on the weekend, especially a church of this size where you can get lost in the shuffle, you're not a part of church as God intended in his word. And I hope that we would change that today. And so um, today, I wanna give you four words to help your community be a great team. To help your community be a great team, and really, I'll just give you this up front, to help you be a great friend. To help you be a great friend. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna be in Mark chapter two and I'm gonna share a story to set up where we're going. And I'm not really teaching this story, I'm just painting a picture of something that actually happened in history that I love. And, and so a lot of times you'll hear this story taught to identify who Jesus was. I wanna teach it, I wanna show you something else, highlight something else in the story. And it's, it's about this group of friends that really loved and served and cared for each other well. It's here in Mark chapter two, but it also shows up in Luke five and Matthew nine. And these were friends that are carrying a different kind of mat for a different purpose. And I hope to spur you on in your community and in your friendships as you see their example in the way that they love each other. And so it starts off like this. When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Okay, imagine this. So Jesus comes to Capernaum. This is where Peter's from. Most likely, he's in Peter's house at this time. I've seen this particular house. It's really small. It's not a big house, but the crowds here, Jesus, remember that guy, Jesus, man, there's this buzz going around about this guy, Jesus, everybody, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so they're coming into the house. They're folding into the living room. Jesus is in there teaching. They're listening. They got their ears ears to the windows to the door they're all bleeding out of the door into the streets there's just a crowd surrounding this house and Jesus is is teaching and it would be completely normal at this time in Jewish tradition to just invade someone's living room if you want to if you especially if you know there's a rabbi in there and he's teaching like it's it's a free-for-all anyone can come everybody's invited says some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them and it goes on to say they couldn't get in because of the crowd. And so I want you to see this. These guys, they, they, are, they wake up this particular morning, and they hear that Jesus is in town. And they've got a friend who can't walk. They've got a friend that everywhere he, he goes, he has to be carried. And so th- this particular day, they go to their friend. Let's call him Matt. And they say, Matt we we're, we're going to take you to Jesus today. Jesus is in town and maybe this is your day. Like maybe he can can heal you. And so this this mat, this man on this mat, all right? It's probably like a gurney. We know this from from first century art that this is more like a cot that he's on. And, and they grab a corner and they say, hey, we're gonna take you to Jesus. And so they're going and they're, they're like high-fiving on the way and they're like, this is the day, man. You might actually be healed. You may, at the end of today, be walking. And so we're gonna, man, we're going to see the doctor. Let's go. And they're walking along and they see from a distance, oh man, there's a lot of, man, wow, there's a lot of, a lot of people. And they get closer and they get closer and, and they see, man, it's kind of a sold out show. And then they're like, okay, hey guys, hey, would you, would you let go, my friend Matt needs to get in there to see Jesus. Jesus and like, hey, buddy, go off. Okay, listen, I'm listening to the sermon. Go, to, go. Hey, take your friend somewhere else. And like, hey, but, but guys, we gotta. And so this is where in the story, right, we would give up meeting together. This is where we'd be like, oh, but, but, um, you know, not very many people can make it tonight. So I don't know if we have a critical mass to gather as a group. Uh, this is where we'd be like, oh, can't really get in. Not a good place. Oh, we couldn't get a sitter this week. Not, not going to go. These guys, they're like, okay, man, we tried. This is still a great story in the scriptures if at this point they say, you know what? Matt, we're sorry. We gave it our all. We, we wanted you to see Jesus, but we can't. But that's not what happened. You know what happened? They're sitting there and they're thinking like, man, maybe we should go back home. Maybe we should start, a, we'll try some other day. Maybe, maybe tomorrow Jesus won't be so busy hey, maybe, Matt, we can, you know, my, my cousin's actually a doctor. He may know some physical therapy treatments or something. Or, or they take Matt home and they say, you know what, buddy? Today wasn't your day, but we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. But that's not what they do. See, at some point in this story, they see the crowd and they're like, we can't get in. We can't get in. One guy's like, should we go home? But another guy, some, some bold guy there, he's like, Go home? Are you guys kidding me? We're not going home. I came all this way. I brought my boy Matt. We're gonna see Jesus. We're gonna. At some point, the beat started playing. At some point, you hear the Eye of the Tiger in the background, and it's like, dun, dun, dun. Or, 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 I don't know if you ever heard Andy Mineo's "You Can't Stop Me." It's like the hypest song that's ever been made. Like, dude, sitting there, and he's like, they're saying we can't get in, and he just starts hearing Andy Mineo's. In fact, here's the, here's the song. You can't stop me. And he's like, we're going to the roof. We're going to the roof. Get, get Matt, because we're going to the roof. We're going to get the brother. We're going to get him up there. Let me read it to you. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Hold on, Mark. I mean, it seems like he left out a lot of details there. How did they get on the roof? Did they grab a ladder, you know? Did they, did they create some sort of system? Was there vines on the side of the wall? Did they go Spider-Man on them? Did they, did they create a human ladder? Like they're standing on each other's shoulders. Like how, did they climb up the neighbor's house and then jump over to the other roof while holding Matt? Or were they like, all right, Matt, hold on, buddy. We're gonna have to throw you up there. This might hurt, okay? Uh, but somehow they're on the roof. And you gotta love their diligence because it just says they got on the roof and started digging. And so I've been researching first century roofs this week. And it turns out that that they're made of grass, dirt, a layer of clay, then clay tile, and then laths, whatever laths are. They're there in the roof. And and so you're digging through, they're they're digging through this, and Jesus is teaching. And if this is Peter's house, you know they would be like, Yo, Pete, you see what's going down? Those cats are defacing your property, man. They're, they're tearing up your roof. Like Peter would be like, hey, let me up there, move. Get off the roof, what are you doing? You know, and, and it's like, I mean, you ever replaced a roof? They're expensive. There's a reason like roofers drive big trucks with big tires, because they can afford them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so, and so they're tearing up Peter's roof. And, and Jesus is in there, and Jesus is teaching. And I don't know if it's like the Sermon on the Mount. Like, hey, look at the birds of the air. They've got nowhere to store. Yet your Heavenly Father loves them. And he's, he's like bringing in this like grand sermon illustration and, and sharing the gospel. And I can't really tell you. Like, could you imagine? So first things start falling from the roof, you know, and like, like some twigs or something. And you're like, oh, what's going on up there? Like somebody's on the roof. This is not good. And, and Jesus like... Hold, hold on, focus on me. And, and then it opens up. And, and, then, and then someone, started, I can't even tell you how distracted. Hold on, hold on. Hey, I'm teaching here. I'm teaching, right? And I can't tell you how distracting it would be if someone started being lowered from the roof. Like they would be having such a hard time. Oh, hey, buddy. Oh, hey. And it seems like at that, whatever you're teaching at that moment, the sermon just changed because there's a dude on the, on the living room floor. And it's like, okay, we gotta talk about this. <laughs> let, me, let me show y'all something. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. We know he goes on to say, get up and walk. Hey, listen, when Jesus saw, you see that? When Jesus saw, their faith how blessed is this man to have friends like that you know what it says in it's not a typo in Luke 5 it says when Jesus saw their faith he said in Matthew chapter 9 it says when Jesus saw their faith he said to the man take heart son your sins are forgiven because of whose faith Because of some friends that said, hey, no matter what our agenda is today, no matter what we got going on, we got some basketball games and some other, probably I got this work deadline, but you know what, Jesus is in town, and Matt, we just got to move you to him. We need you to get you, we need to get you to a place so that you can experience what you need most, and that's, that's Jesus. And we know that it's going to take time, and it's a really, it's a big inconvenience, but that's okay, we don't feel inconvenienced, Matt, because this is our greatest opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus This might be when we audit our life, at the end of our life, one of those moments that that we stand before the Lord at the throne and he says, well done, good and faithful. Remember that time that you had all those things going on but you stopped everything and you cared for Matt? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were a friend in that moment. In that moment, you were following Jesus. In that moment, you were a Christian. And, And make no mistake about it, guys, this is the kind of friend that the scriptures call you to be to be this kind of friend. And so let's just imagine for a moment that you're going to community formation. So, so you raise your hand, you're a member of Watermark, and you say, hey, I need help getting into a community group. And we say, hey, we'll help you. You can show up any Sunday to community formation. It happens in the East Tower, okay? At, um, at nine is for marrieds, at 11, 15 for singles. You just walk in that East Tower, we'll help you get in a group. And you're on your way there, and you're super excited because you're thinking about the new friends you're gonna meet. You're like, man, these are my new life friends. Like, they may be my bridesmaids in my wedding. Who knows? This is going to be amazing. And you're talking to your spouse if you're married. And you're like, guys, what do you think they're going to be like? You know? Are they going to like us? And you think they'll have a lake house? Because that'd be cool. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and you're just chatting it up, thinking about the friends that you're about to meet. And you get to community formation, and you sit down, and you look across the table. And, and we put you with a group of folks because of the, the life stage you're in and where you're at geograph- geographically and you notice something about someone. They're a little awkward, they're not making eye contact with you, maybe it's the way they talk. And then at some point in that time of discovery, you realize you're gonna have to carry them everywhere they go. And that God in his sovereignty who created everything, ordained your moments, created the good works for you to walk in, set you down at that table, and your lot in life now is this is now your friend and you've gotta carry them everywhere they go. So now when you meet for community, it's no longer at your house, you are always getting a sitter and you're going to their house every time. And if you wanna go to a movie and you're like, hey buddy, do you wanna go to a movie with me? Matt's gonna be like, sure, can you pick me up? And I mean literally, can you pick me up because you're gonna have to carry me to the movies and into the movies. And, And that's now your role. How do you feel in that moment? Do you, do you like, man, God must really trust me. God must really love me that he allows me to be the hands and feet of Christ like this for this particular individual. Or do you feel like you, you, know, you drew the short straw? Are you, are you on the way home thinking, okay, how do I get out of this situation? Let's just say I went on the wrong night, we'll go back. Hit reset on this deal. I hope what you do is exactly what these guys did. You grab a corner, and you say, let's go. I got you. And my life just changed. I mean, I had, some, I had some dreams, I had some thoughts that I thought I was going to do, but in a moment, God just trusted me with a, real, a different responsibility, and my life just changed. And Now a big part of what I'm gonna do is be loving you and caring for you and and thank you for that opportunity. And so we're talking about how we can be friends and team contributors like these guys. Before I dive in, I'll just say, if you're not a member of Watermark, the way that you start this process is with Discover Watermark. It's uh, on March 4th. You can go to watermark.org for all of that information. But if you're not a member, start at Discover Watermark. But these guys, what are four things that will make our community groups a great team? The first one is time, so you can write down time. Number one is time. And so... What I mean by that is, is really prioritizing community in and of itself. It takes time. You're going to have to spend time doing this. And so at Better Together, which was like kind of our community conference, if you will, the other day, we talked about this. And you can go access those talks on the app. But I just said specifically this illustration that Stephen Covey gave us in the, the 80s, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he said, hey, there's like you, know, you have so much time, it's like a jar, and you got to put the big rocks in first In order, you gotta be able to prioritize things by putting the big rocks in first, knowing what the big rocks are. And the problem that I have with Stephen Covey's illustration is there's so many big rocks Right. There's always sports. There's always work deadlines. There's always family issues. There's always other priorities. And so it's like, how do I even all the big rocks don't fit in the jar. And what I'm saying is I believe the scriptures are unapologetically calling you to making community a big rock that goes in first because it's a rock that allows you to know what other rocks make it in. It's, a, it's really a lens, it's a rock that goes in so that you know what other rocks to put in after that, that they can help you process in that way. I can remember when I was in sales, going through all kinds of different sales trainings, and one thing that I heard over and over and over was this metaphor, this idea, they said, hey, um, just imagine that the more time you spend in the decision maker's office, the closer you are moving to the sale. You ever heard this? The more time you can spend with the decision maker, you're moving toward the close. You're moving toward getting their business. So try to spend as much time as you can with the decision maker. And I'm not here to train you on sales. This is not sales training. But I want you to know the more time that you can spend with those other believers that you're doing life with, you are being transformed, conformed to the image and the character of Jesus. That's called sanctification. That, that through God's spirit working through them, y'all spending time together, you are being molded into the image and the character of Jesus Christ. It takes time. It takes prioritizing that meeting. It takes not giving up the gathering together. That's Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the gather, gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. 12 years ago, I was in a community group, and I didn't enjoy it. Didn't really like who Watermark had placed me with. Wanted to get out, and I found myself at a dinner party. And uh, at that dinner party was Todd Wagner. I had never met Todd but I thought, man, this is my chance to, to meet him, and he was in the kitchen, and uh, I was there, and, and I was thinking, you know, maybe I could go ask him a question about community group, and maybe he's going to say something that would allow me to go back to my community group and say, hey, yo, guys, I listen, I talked to the pastor, and he said, I don't have to do this anymore, okay? And so, um, so he's in the kitchen, and so I get the courage to go up and speak to him, very approachable guy, but, you know, I'm like, okay, hey, um, Todd, Jonathan Percluta, great to meet you. May I ask you a question? He said, Of course, ask me anything. Hey, what what would you say makes or breaks a good community group? Like, uh, what do you see that good groups do and that bad groups don't do? Like, what's, what's the difference? And he didn't hesitate. He didn't stop and think about it. He answered immediately. He said, That's easy. T I M E. He said, It's like all relationships. They require time, an investment of time. And it's not just any kind of time. It's time spent having on your heart what is on the heart of God. That's discipleship. That as you're together, you're thinking about the things of God. You have what's on your heart is the same things that are on the heart of God. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. But a companion of fools suffer harm. So you're not just like spending time together, giving each other worldly advice, shooting from the hip. Oh, I had an uncle once that tried that. No, it's, hey, this is what the scriptures say. This is what God's word says. Let me, let me show you the scriptures. time gathered around the holy scriptures. It's gonna take time. The second thing that it takes to... Have your community be a great team is encouragement. Encouragement. Let me say this. I've already said it a bunch of times. Let me say it again. Relationships are hard. Community is hard. It's difficult. It is so much more difficult without encouragement. It's so much harder without encouragement. If all you do when you get together is a, hey, let me, listen, I've been making a list of all the things that you need to work on. Hey, husbands, lean in, okay? Wives, no elbowing right now. If you want a relationship to work. It needs a lot of encouragement, a lot of positivity, a lot of, hey, you're doing this great and this great and this great, and you're doing this so awesome, and, hey, I just want to encourage you in this. First Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And in the same way that a car can't run without gas, relationships can't run without encouragement. They will die out on the side of the road. All right? If you do not give that relationship encouragement, it is going to die on the side of the road. I love cars. I, I always have, as long as I can remember, loved Vehicles, automobiles of all kinds. And uh, in high school, I had a 1979 Mercedes, old Mercedes that ran on diesel fuel. And um, it actually, I actually put gasoline in it twice. Two separate occasions. Those people that just laughed know what happens when you put gas in a diesel vehicle. You know what happens? Nothing literally nothing like it's dead it's done it's hosed it's cooked and uh and so I did that on two separate occasions and and it's funny being a car guy always liking cars and appreciating them I've never learned how to work on them so I can't even like change my own oil my wiper fluid in my truck's been out for 17 years uh I don't know where the wiper fluid is you know and so whenever my car breaks down I'm like get it out of here like I love it like I'm a great car owner I'm an awesome car owner when it works. Like when my car runs, dude, I'm like, my car, you know, driving down the road takes me where I need to go, man. It's a good car. I'm a good owner. Wash her every now and then. Uh, when it breaks down, I'm like, I'm done with you. Like even to this day, like when I turn the key, it doesn't start. I just call Gary. I call my, my friend who works on cars and I'm like, hey, can you just come and get this? He's like, do you know what's wrong with it? No, no. Can you figure out what's wrong with it? And just fix it. Well, you want me to call you with some, no, no, just just call me when it's running again. I want it out of my life until it's running again. And I can be that kind of friend. You hear me? You tracking with what I'm saying? Like, like when, when friendships are good, like, yeah, man, let's talk. Catch about, let's catch up about the game, man. How you been? You want to sit on a patio, hang out. You want to come over. Let's go see a movie. Love movies. Man, it's so good to see you. Let's hang out. I'm such a great friend when everything's right. Man, I'm a great friend. But then it's like, oh wow, something broke down. Oh man, not going okay. We have to talk about that. Oh wow. What well, you need some money? Oh man. <laughs> yeah, call me when you get that fixed. Now we never say that. But you ever feel that? Oh man, this just became work. Uh, can, can you can you go get everything in order, and then we can be friends again? Like, just can you you go that way? I'm going to go this way, and when everything's working again, call me, and we can hang out. That's not a friend. Don't even use that word. It's not a friend. It's not this kind of friend. It's not these kind of friends. You say, well, JP, let me ask you a question, man. What if I'm not friends with them? Like, what if I've got my friends and then I've got community? Like, i got friends over here and then i got community, my small group. You guys kind of put me with them. And we're not really friends. But I have friends over here, but I'm not friends with them. Here's what you can do. Change that. You get to choose who you're friends with. And if you're in this small group of people, you can begin to pursue them. And you can be a friend to them. Remember the the, the Samaritan on the side of the road? And Jesus says, who was a neighbor to them? The one who loved them, cared for them, and met their needs. That was the neighbor. You be a friend to them. You pursue them. Not just consume from them, but you pursue them. You care for them. You're a friend to them. And make it a point to encourage them. I love the way you give your generosity encourages me. Uh, I, mean, I love the way that you share the gospel. Like you, you're just always so intentional with other people. It, it spurs me on the, the way that you parent your children. You're so intentional there and um, I'm learning from you. You know what, y'all's relationship, the way that y'all love each other and talk to each other it, is just, it's an example to me. Hey, I love the way that you live out Matthew six thirty three. You just prioritize the things of God. Hey, I love the way that you walk through this scripture and just encourage, breathe encouragement into that relationship. these guys were great friends. You you can imagine what Matt's saying to them, right? Like they're carrying them, sold out crowd. He's like, guys, take me home. You don't have to do this, guys. Man, I know y'all all all got stuff to do, man. You you gotta go grocery shopping and man, y'all got things you gotta do today. Listen, it didn't work today. We can't see Jesus. Just take me home. Guys, just take me back home. Set me down in front of the TV. I'll be fine. And they said, no, brother, we got you. We got you. Just lay back. We're going to the roof, my man. We're, getting, we're going to get into see. I told you where you're going to see Jesus. You're going to see Jesus. Just hang tight. We're going to the roof. The third thing you need to make your community group a great team is accountability. Accountability. It's not, the, it's not a fun one. But accountability. Let me just tell you really quick what, what we do in, in my community group, okay? If it's helpful to you, write it down. If you've got something that's working great for you, just keep, keep running your offense. If this would be helpful, though, this is what we do. We meet as couples every, single thurs, every other Thursday night. Every other Thursday night, we meet as couples, okay? Uh, what that looks like is we, we rotate houses. Everybody else gets a sitter. Sitter costs money. Um, we don't have a lot of money, but we just determined this is an area that we're gonna invest in. So we're gonna prioritize this investment of all the places we could spend God's money. We're going to spend some money here to get a sitter so that we can go over there. We go to a host couple's house, and and before we do that, everyone sends in an agenda, uh, their agenda item. An agenda item is like, hey, uh, we're processing this thing at school today. Hey, the kids are struggling in this class. Hey, we're thinking about changing schools. Uh, Hey, we were thinking about buying a car. We'd love to process the wisdom of that with you guys. Hey, we got into a fight, a marital Uh, dispute uh, if you will uh, this past Wednesday can we we'd like to talk about that and scratch that we don't want to talk about that but we believe that we should talk about that and we know that rehashing that is just probably going to put us in a bad place all over again but somehow supernaturally through the work of God that's going to help us so that's on the agenda and so we put that thing on the agenda and then we show up to that host couple's house and uh, and we hang out for about 15 minutes in the kitchen, we move to the living room, and the host couple leads us in a devotional. They're just like 10, 15 minutes, hey, this is what God's taught me this week. And so they just, one thing, hey, this is what I'm learning through the word of God this week. Sometimes we take communion, sometimes we sing a hymn, but then we, we move to going through the agenda, couple after, couple after couple after couple after couple after couple. Okay, but then how we do accountability now is guys meet every Friday morning and the girls meet every other Thursday. So the off Thursdays that we don't meet as a group, that's when the ladies meet, and they do accountability. Guys meet every Friday morning for accountability. Guys, we just need more accountability. And um, I don't know if that's true, but it's just the way it works. Uh, I'm, I'm confident I do. And so here's the deal. We gather, and, and what we would do, we would struggle with accountability. You know? It's like we would sit down, coffee. Anybody sin this week? Yeah, man, I think I did once on Wednesday. Let me um, figure out what that was. Oh yeah, there was this double take, clicked on a hashtag. Oh man, you know what, I bought something on Amazon just flippantly, uh, and we would just struggle. And then one of the guys brilliantly said, hey, let's just look at the core values of Watermark and maybe we can ask each other some questions. So we came up with three questions that we ask each other every week. I'm gonna give you the three questions so you can write them down if they'd be helpful to you. And we just ask each other these three questions every single week and it's been a game changer for us. It has changed the way that we do accountability. And so here are the three questions. The first one is, what has God taught you this week? Now, it's not what did you read this week, because you could have read the Bible every single day and not learned a thing and not had your affection stirred. So it's like, what has God taught you this week? What has made you love God more this week, if you prefer? What has God taught you this week? The second one is what thoughts or actions have hindered your walk with Christ this week? That's the confession part that you would share, not generically, now, oh man, I really struggled with lust this week, but very specifically on Wednesday when I was at this place, I saw this thing and I did this, very specifically. This hindered my relationship with Christ. What has thoughts or actions have hindered your relationship with Christ this week? And then James five sixteen it tells us this, that if you confess, uh, or it says, confess your sins, rather, confess your sins uh, to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed for the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. It gives us kind of a, a formula, if I can even say that, that, that you, we're not just to confess, but we're to confess and then to pray. And so we realized that in the group. And so what we would do is, is one person would pray, I mean confess, and then the next person would pray for them. And then that person would confess and then the next person would pray for them. And then that person would confess and then the next person would pray for them. And we started doing that. And you know what happened? we're were experiencing some real victories and sin struggles. When we began not just to confess, but to confess specifically and pray right then, right then and there, multiple times as we gather for accountability. And then the last one is, how have you helped others see or know Jesus this week? These three questions, they, they embody the values the community values, how have you helped others see or know Jesus this week? This is the living missionally value, being externally focused, sharing the gospel, serving others in the name of Jesus Christ. How have you done that this week? Listen, there are some weeks guys show up and it's like, can't think of anything. Can't think of anything. And then we're able to pray. And and we're able to say, Lord, would you give us a specific, we're not, you know, hey, turn around, let's give you a good paddling or something. It's not like that, it's like, okay, listen, we love you for you? Man, have you thought about this? Hey, I know you said your neighbor didn't know Christ. What, what could we do to help you engage with them? And we're just, we're talking through that. I don't. There's a, there's a part of accountability that goes outside these questions. It's where you're doing life with others and you start noticing patterns in their life that are unaddressed, and you have to address them. It's called correction. I don't like correction. Do you guys know why I don't like correction? I don't like correction because I'm stupid. Let me say it again in case you were sleeping. I don't like correction because I'm stupid. And you say, man, you're being a little hard on yourself, JP, and uh, you know, why would you use that word? Proverbs 12 verse one says, whoever hates correction is stupid. I didn't even change that verse. Like That's just the way that it reads. That's in your Bible. Whoever hates correction is stupid. And and so, man, let me tell you something. As God would have it in his sovereignty, in his sense of humor maybe, uh, this past Thursday night, I knew I was giving this message. This Thursday night, I was stupid. I was stupid. And I was on the mat this Thursday night. And what I mean by that, I don't know if you've ever happened to you, but like you show up and there's an agenda and everybody has something they need to talk about, but it's like, hey, clear the agenda. This is about you. And we spend about two hours on a lot of my junk. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun because I'm stupid. It wasn't fun because I don't like that. And, and my, my, the temptation is, is to think that, that, that they don't have my best interest and, and they can look back and just talk to the, look at the ways that I've, that I've talked to my wife and they're like, man, you don't have to do that. This is the beauty of community. Is why, why fight as a spouse? Like you, you come together, you disagree. Okay, let me hear you out, let me hear you out. Do We still disagree, we still do. Okay, let's go to community. Let's not, let's not talk about it anymore. We'll just go to community. You see how beautiful that is? I call it pursuing unity in a disagreement. But I can't learn that lesson for whatever reason because I'm like, let's talk about it. I disagree, you disagree, I disagree. Let's keep disagreeing. Let's just keep disagreeing. Let's disagree some more. How about we disagree tomorrow? Let's bring it up again and talk about it some more. Maybe we can disagree some more. That's not fun. No, we can just go to communion. We can say, hey guys, this is what's going on. This is what she thinks. This is what I think. Here's the facts. Here's the data. What do you guys think? Spirit of God, would you please speak through all of them? Help us. See how beautiful that is? It takes trust, though, to to do accountability right. It takes trust. You you think these guys had trust? (laughs) Anybody want to climb up here and I'll raise you up? Who's up there? I don't know, but we'll pull you up to the roof. You ever heard of a trust fall at camp? This is a whole next level trust fall, right? (laughs) I mean, dude got lowered from the roof. There's some trust there. It takes trust. Not just trust in the person, though. Trust in the Holy Spirit. Trust in God's Spirit working through them. You can pray for that. You can ask God to do that. God, I disagree with them. Would you help me see what they see? Would you show me my blind spots? The next thing, the last thing that it takes to make a great community, a community group, a great team is maturity, maturity. Uh, the last thing is maturity there's an expectation that you would grow and not stay where you are that is hebrews 10 24 and 25 it says and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching it says let us consider how we might spur one another on anybody know what a spur is it's a sharp thing that you kick something with to make it move okay Community feels like that sometimes. Thursday night, it felt like I was getting spurred. It felt like they were wearing spurs and kicking me for fun, but I know they weren't because they were using the Word of God, and they were admonishing me with the scriptures. And I can remember like, I don't like to exercise and. Uh, won't, <laughs> Some of you aren't surprised. Uh, I don't love to exercise, but one, one of the ways, that, probably the only way I like to exercise is um, wrestling. I like to wrestle. And so there's a season where I was wrestling this guy who's a lot bigger than me. And, uh, and so we'd show up, and, and I'd get worked over. And I'd always submit. I'd always tap out. But not because he put me in some brilliant choke hold or arm bar or leg lock. It was uh, always the same thing, big dude, and he's just laying on my chest. And I can't breathe. I'm like... <laughs> And I'd always say the same thing everywhere. I'm like, dude, let me up off the mat, bro. Let me up off the mat. Let me up off the mat. That's what it felt like Thursday night. I'm like, guys, let me up off the mat. Let me up off the mat. I hear you. Let me up off the mat. Let me up off the mat. Not until we see Jesus. Not until you can see what God wants for you not until we can get you in that living room and you can see all that Jesus has for you, that you can see that your sins are forgiven, that you don't have to keep going like a dog to his vomit to those harsh words, to those non-cherishing ways, to those unkindness, to to filling the schedule so full. JP, you know your wife likes time at home. You know she likes time at home. Why are you filling the calendar so full? We're going to let you off the map, but first we want to make sure you see all that Jesus has for you. Okay. So that you can grow to be like him. It's called maturity. Being conformed to the image and the character of Jesus. These guys knew that what this man needed most in his life was to see Jesus and they would stop at nothing until he was face to face with the one who could help him. That's a good friend. Really, if you wanna know what it looks like to be a good community group member, just be a good friend. Like that's, it's that simple. Think, hey, how can I be a better friend to these people? And the answer that will fill in the blank on whatever you could do to be a, make that community group a better team. How can I be a better, maybe it's speak truth to them, maybe it's listen more, talk less, maybe it's point them to truth, show them a scripture, send them an encouraging word, maybe it's showing up with a casserole, maybe it's giving them a ride, I don't know. Paying rent, mortgage, I don't know. How can I be a better friend to them? So make your community group a, a great team. It takes time, it takes encouragement, it takes accountability, and it takes maturity. His community is a team sport. Verse 10, it's, so he said to them, I tell you, you can remember that, by the way, T-E-A-M, in case you missed it, team, team. Time, encouragement, accountability, maturity. So he said to them, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And so you ask the question, does, does community exist for the individual or does the individual exist for the team? The team exists for the church. Do you see what happened? That as this brother grew in his relationship with Christ, everyone looked and everyone was amazed and the church was strengthened and it grew and it spread and now we gather here today Because brothers growing, people growing, and sisters growing in these small groups of people that are committed to each other, to helping each other, to being helpful friends to one another. And when others saw the faith of these friends, they praised God. When Monica and I got into a community group right after marriage, like like we were so dysfunctional. Like we would show up and we would sit in the driveway and the group would start and we would sit there arguing for another 30 minutes, mascara streamed down her cheeks. I'm like, hey, could you make it look like you're not crying before we go in? Okay, you know that was that kind of loving husband. And, And so we're sitting there, we're talking most of the time, hey, should we just go home? Let's just go home. Let's not go back in there. And God in his sovereignty for some reason, common grace, I guess, some beautiful way every single Thursday, the only thing we did right in the midst of doing everything wrong is We showed up. We walked in. Guys, we need help again. We need you to carry our mat again. And those brothers and sisters in Christ who we didn't even like grabbed a corner. They grabbed a corner and they moved us toward Jesus, for the past 13 years, they've just been steadily moving us toward Jesus. At some point, I was called in the vocational ministry, and they just kept moving us toward Jesus, moving us toward Jesus. It's interesting. One of those couples now leads the foundation group, and one of the things we had to process was the foundation group that they were leading because it had a lot of dysfunction in it. And in the midst of all of the dysfunction, there was this couple who knew God and, and was raised in the church, and, and they said, hey, we went out. And they were, kind of, they were struggling with self-righteousness. And so we processed that as a group. I didn't know who they were. It was anonymous. I do, I do now. Um, and they shared this with me. And they just said, hey, we were looking for a group where we could read the Bible, hang out, fellowship together. Within the first couple of months, it came out that other couples were dealing with infidelity, abuse, they were already talking about divorce. We weren't in for carrying those kinds of mats. At first, our response was, we don't want to deal with that. We want out. But our leaders helped us see our self-righteousness in this. And we decided to stick it out and walk alongside those friends. The very friends that we didn't want to hang out with anymore then had to help us carry our mat. Would you watch the story of my friends?
2: When we first got married and came to Watermark, we saw there was something called foundation groups for couples our leaders led out really, really well in just a sense of, hey, this isn't just kind of coming to hang out. We're gonna share hurts, we're gonna share hang ups. And so after a year and a half of doing foundation group with these leaders, it was actually a natural transition to just go kind of into a community group.
3: You are missing the piece though, that we came to our leaders at one point and said, yeah, we're not so sure we're gonna stick with this. And the leaders quickly looked at us and go, yeah, that's prideful because you guys somehow think that you're in a different level than these people are, and you're not.
2: And we started realizing that this is uh, bigger than ourselves. And so now looking back at that group, I can't imagine not having them in our lives because they have been just such an integral role in both of our lives and our marriage.
3: We had never before been the center of attention with our community group. After a miscarriage and a difficult first pregnancy, it was the first time that we had really needed the love and support from our community group. After getting pregnant with our second child, I was feeling bad again and ended up in the hospital. During that hospitalization, the doctors ran some tests and after doing a scan, they found something and I knew that it was wrong.
2: So I'm sitting there at work and get a text (laughs) message from my wife that says, come back now, I have a brain tumor. And um, first thing on my mind was, worst autocorrect ever. Please, God, let this be an autocorrect. So I called her, and um, I, as soon as she answered, I knew it was not an autocorrect. She just said, I need you to come now.
3: The next day, we met with our neurosurgeon. Um, he gave us two choices. Either you operate on this and you live, or you um, don't and you die.
2: There had to be surgery. What we found out was that the... Uh, The tumor was on the back of her brain, on her cerebellum, and it was the size of a tennis ball.
3: After being diagnosed, we had our community group come over that Sunday, and um, they all came over, they brought us meals, and just basically like, how can I pray for you? We all cried together.
2: Everybody comes over, prays with us, talks to us, and then just disperses, which was really neat because the way they went was one couple went and bought premium clothes. Another couple went and just bought food, bought groceries. Everybody kind of went and did something. Without us asking or even telling them what needed to happen, they just picked up responsibility and said, great, we've got this covered, you go.
3: Later that week, we were scheduled for a C-section to have our son. Uh, by God's grace, he was healthy and degrade. great. It wasn't long after that that I had to go in for emergency surgery. The tumor just had to come out.
2: So after surgery, the doctor came in and let us know that the surgery was a success. He got the whole tumor. And then later on, after testing, found out that it was benign. So we wouldn't have to go through all the cancer stuff, which we were so thankful for.
3: Two months after the initial brain surgery, I started having headaches again. This landed us back in the neurosurgeon's office where um, he explained that the glue that was holding my skull together was infected and it meant that he was gonna have to go back in for another brain surgery.
2: We spent longer in the ICU that time around than we did for the initial surgery and there were bigger scares, just as big of scares that second time around than that first one, which is not expected.
3: We'd been supplied meals for every day for two months already and then to have to go back to where we started and ask for more help for longer. So um, we humbled ourselves, humbled our hearts, knowing that we had never really been authentic enough to say, I need help. And this this is the Lord's way of just saying, hey, I've supplied people. So let them be the hands and feet of me. And so we did, um, we had to, and I was thankful for that.
2: Through all this, Community was the tangible expression of God's love for us. And this is what community does. They pick up your burdens when you are not strong enough to carry them yourselves. We are so thankful for our foundation group of leaders encouraging us years ago. We are grateful that God doesn't want us to go through this life alone. And he has given us the gift of one another.
1: There'll be times in life where you're on the mat. If you're not there right now, you're going to be. I'm trying to speak ill will into your life. I'm I'm just telling you this is how life works. There's gonna be times where you're on the mat. You can't, a lot of times you can't even anticipate them. So there's sometimes in life you're on the mat, and there's sometimes in life where you're holding a corner, and you're carrying somebody else. I don't know where you're at right now, but you need to know where you're at right now. And you need to know that role. What I love about that video I mean, the very people that, that they didn't wanna be in community with because you know, they weren't spiritually mature enough, that the others weren't, became the very people that helped them carry their mat when a brain tumor hit, pregnancies, difficulties hit. Uh, we could have made 10 videos, that's the truth. I, I asked on social media, I just said, hey, what's, what's the story of your community group? I, I, got, I, I could be here the rest of the morning I went back and looked, moments later there was 60. I wrote some down, you know, my car broke down and I couldn't afford to fix it. I asked for prayer because I was so stressed. The next week they showed up with $1,000. Somebody said, I didn't abort my second child because my community group talked me out of it. Praise Jesus, exclamation point. There's a story. My house was torn apart by a tornado. My community group gave me a place to stay, food to eat, clothes to wear, and made sure we continued to meet, even though they often had to come to me. When I processed a long-term mission trip to Albania, my community group helped me process, packed my belongings. They continued to support me halfway across the world through prayer and financially. My wife died right before Christmas, and they have been with me every step of the way, from meals to just getting me out of the house overwhelmed with life, work, stress, overspending. My house was a mess. I was behind on laundry. Dishes were piled up. Everything was out of control. I confessed it to them and came home the next day to a spotless house and a vase of fresh flowers. When my mom was sick, they made multiple trips to Houston to pray with and for me. When she passed, they helped me with the funeral arrangements and helped my dad move out of his house to my siblings. Through two very difficult pregnancies and two miscarriages, community showed up daily to help me emotionally and met all of our practical needs. I'm out of time, I could keep going. Don't think about it as, hey, what can I get from this? But what can I give, how can I be a good friend to them? How can I deliver the necessary truth to them? How can I go back and have that necessary conversation? How can I make sure we're being intentional? If you don't have this, please get it. If we can help you get it, please let us know. In that Watermark News, just say, hey, I need community. We got you. Show up next week. Go into the East Tower. Uh, If you're not a member, you can go to watermark.org, discover Watermark. If we can help you in any way. Listen, if you do not know, this is important, if you do not know your community coach or your director, they haven't visited your group this year, please email community at watermark.org, and we will make that happen. We have doctors ready. If you're struggling right now, we're moving towards you. Let us know. We want to help. Community at watermark.org. Hey, I love you guys. Uh, Have a great week of worship.